Good morning. So good to see all of you here today. Welcome to Rock Hills. Welcome to those of you watching online as well. We are glad to have you here with us. If you would like more information about the church, if you have questions, we've got a QR code. You are welcome to zap that. If you would like to do it digitally, if you would like to do it the analog way, you're welcome to come up and say hello after church. Uh, My name is Adam, by the way, and uh, we would love to answer any questions that you have or help you get connected. Uh, You may have heard last week when Stanzi shared with us, we are doing a uh, supply drive for Hearts Need Art, which is an amazing organization started by one of our very own uh, that supplies creative support for patients and caregivers uh, suffering from cancer, adults. Uh, right here in our local community. So it's a great opportunity to make a difference. The collection bins are in the back. If you have any questions about that or how you can order directly, we would be happy to answer that for you. We're doing that today and next week as well. Speaking of next week, we have baptisms available next week. If you have not been baptized as a believer and you would like to do so, Please sign up on our website, rockhills.com, and we will contact you uh, this week, and we will have those available next Sunday. And next Sunday night is our student night as well, so middle, high school, even college students, you're welcome to join us next Sunday night. And uh, the word I hear from our student ministry team is there is going to be some sort of prize available for every student that shows up, so... I don't know what they've got in store, but I think it's going to be a fun time. As we get ready for this fall, we're looking for some more small group leaders. So if you're interested in making a difference here in our church community as well as our neighborhoods, it's a great way to do so. Uh, So we're looking for more volunteers, more uh, small group leaders as well. And coming up at the end of the month, we've got a connection night for... All of our current volunteers, our staff, our deacons, our elders, and any of you who are just ready to start volunteering, even if you don't know where you want to volunteer, but you're ready to plug in, uh, you're welcome to join us. You can RSVP at rockhills.com. That's August 28th, 6 p.m. right here. Well, if this is your church home, we always encourage people to be faithful in their generosity. We believe that that should be our lifestyle, not just within the church, but also outside of the church. But we've got three ways that you can give here, and that is in the giving box in the back. You can also text to give at 84321 and select Rock Hills, or you can go to rockhills.com where you can set it up reoccurring if you would like to do so. Well, as we finish up our series today, The Good Work, Uh, I'm excited about this one because today you're going to get to hear from uh, two families from Rock Hills. Sometimes God sends people to our community and sometimes God sends people from our community as God continues to work in our lives. So to begin uh, this message this morning, we're going to get to hear from Malachi Werps. If you've been around Rock Hills for an extended period of time, you may remember Malachi and Emily and their children, God has sent them off to the mission field now for several years, and uh, they've got an update for us. That's the family that God has sent from Rock Hills. There's another family that God has sent to Rock Hills, and that is the Sanchez family, who's doing some great work in multiple ways right here in our community, and you're going to get to hear from them today as we look at some of the good work, the heart of our church, how we can make a difference in our community and around the world. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, Rock Hills 
family, thank you so much for your prayers and support for our family. Just wanted to share some updates with you as we are in our 12th year here at the headquarters of the Center for Mission Mobilization. And um, we wanted to share with you what's been going on as we seek to work with churches around the world to mobilize them to the unreached. Our mobilization ministry in Russia has been responding to the crisis in Ukraine and has been taking teams across the border to Maripol. They've been getting addresses from people in Russia asking them to go to find their loved ones. Um, they have a story of, of one grandma that they found on the eighth floor of a makeshift hospital and they're able to bring her back there to their family. So we're so excited to be hosting their team leader, Yarik, in our home next week when he's back here for leadership training. The tech team that I lead has been busy making improvements to our online store, online learning, and the CRM tool that we use to track relationships. Um, but there's big news coming soon. Our creative team has been working to present the various ministries more clearly and so that we can uh, be, have a more clear message with the churches that we work with around the world. This is providing an exciting opportunity for me to rebuild the six websites that we've built over the last 10 years into one more cohesive website. And we're going to get to use a more modern web stack using web or uh, React, Next.js, and a headless CMS. So I'm really excited about that. Emily continues to be an amazing mom and homeschool teacher. She's leading a Bible study this summer at our church that was made by our WEAVE, our family mobilization ministry, called Parenting with a Global Vision. It's a great small group study, and it helps guide families um, into God's heart for all nations. If you want to check it out, you can find it on weavefamily.org and download it yourself. Every summer, the CMM takes a summer project. They take college students to uh, visit our field teams so they can see mobilization in action. This year, we took college students to Kenya and to Mexico. They engaged with churches and college campuses and introduced God's heart for the nations and his heart for unreached people groups living right near them. And then they took them on a short-term trip to an unreached people group and they're able to love them and serve among them for a few days and hopefully break down walls and encourage them to reach out to them. Speaking of short-term trips, I had the wonderful opportunity to take our oldest son, Grayson, on a short-term trip to El Salvador a couple weeks ago. We joined a ministry called Filter of Hope. Our team visited villages, installed water filters attached to a bucket, and used that as an opportunity to get to know them and to share the gospel. We had so many stories of families that we met. A highlight for me as a dad was to watch my son share the gospel with a man that eventually ended up to decide to follow Jesus as his Savior. Such a wonderful moment. You can check out more about that in our family email newsletter or reach out to us. We'd love to tell you about it. God is at work in so many ways in the world, making himself known, bringing his glory to all the nations. You're such a big part of that. Your support and prayers are making a big impact. We're, we love you so much. We're so thankful for you. We'll hopefully see you soon.
If you would like more information about how to keep up with uh, what God is doing through the Werps family, we would be happy to get you that information. Uh, but today I'm so excited to introduce to you guys David and Melissa Sanchez. Uh, it was such a blessing when, when this couple and their wonderful family uh, walked through our doors uh, several months back. And uh, since they've walked in, they've been such a blessing to our church. So it is an honor to have them sharing here with us today. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Welcome, morning. My name is Melissa Sanchez, and this is my husband, David Sanchez. And we're very humbled and nervous and thankful that God would give us the opportunity for you guys to hear about the good work that he's done in our lives. But let's start with prayer. God, we thank you so much that you are always at work in our lives, right here in our homes and in San Antonio and around the, around the world. Lord, we just pray that you continue to encourage us to do your good work um, and to have faith that you can do amazing and great things. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. So many people have come up to us over the years, going on five years, and they ask us, why are you in San Antonio? What brought you here? And we both always give the same answer. God called us to go and to go in faith. But before we can share all that, how that unfolded, we're going to give you a little history of the Sanchez family, and little snippets of kind of how we needed to have faith throughout our journey. Um, our theme has been the good work and how God is doing good work and how you can be involved. But one thing I want you to remember today, if you want to do God's good work, the Bible is super clear. You need to have faith. So David was born and grew up in Chicago and... <laughs> I'm the Chicago family here. <laughs> and I was uh, born in New York and grew up in New York, so all the New York people. Woo! <laughs> and we met at Bi Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. I know David had hair. I looked so young. I had no gray hair. <laughs> that was our first date. Whoa, little did we know. And so after graduating, uh, we decided to, that David would pursue his master's degree at Westminster Theological Seminary. And so we moved to Philadelphia immediately following our marriage, and we've been married 23 years. There we are. <laughs> Still looking young. <laughs> but it was in Philadelphia where God really grew our faith for 18 years. He gave us three beautiful children. Of course, we're biased because we're their parents. But our oldest is Noé, and he's a freshman at St. Mary's. He's actually at orientation today. We have Emmanuel, who is our middle guy, but we call him Manny. He's a junior at MacArthur High School. And then we have Kaya, our baby, who was adopted in 2013, and she goes to Compass Rose, where I'm at. And there we are. <laughs> our story around our adoption of Kaya is kind of encompasses the beginning of that story of faith. Um, and there's two aspects of faith. One, when God tells you to do something, and then there's the wait time until he actually gives it to you. So, um, I'm going to pass it on to David. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a couple stories. I'll tell the first story. So, uh, Melissa and I always wanted to adopt. It was something we had talked about. We both have family members that, um, uh, you know, that are adopted. And so we had talked about that. And I have to admit, I probably kind of forgot about it a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes you pray for things and you do those things. And, but God doesn't forget, does he? So um, 
after Emmanuel was born, uh, there was one night where I was uh, sleeping, but I had a dream. And in this dream, uh, God spoke to me and he said, remember you had promised and you said you wanted to have a, a girl, so uh, you're going to adopt a girl. I thought, okay. So I got up from the dream and looked over. My wife wasn't there. So I went into the bedroom. I'm just guessing that she was rocking Emmanuel to sleep. So I walked in and I said, hey, I just want you to know that I had this dream. And she said, stop. I said, what do you mean stop? She goes, in the dream, did God say you were going to adopt a girl? We both had the same dream. And that began the process. We started the process immediately. Manny was just maybe four, six weeks old. And for four years, we went through the process with literally 50 no's. No child to come our way through the foster care system. And then I got a call at work, and they said, you have 30 minutes to decide if you want this little girl to come join you in your house. We said yes. We went, and we, they brought Kaya to our house. And it wasn't until three years later, so a seven-year process, where we were able to adopt Kaya, and that's that beautiful picture right there. Well, we were so blessed and so excited to have Kaya as part of part of a family, we decided we're going to go out and have lunch. And I told the kids, you order whatever you like. We're going we're gonna to spend all that money. You get dessert. You can get everything. And family, no expense. Just, just, we're just going to be so excited. And, but before we ate, of course, a good pastor husband said, let's pray. And he stood up in, that, in the restaurant. It was a small little restaurant, hardly anyone there, in the middle of the day. And he prayed. And he thanked God for the adoption of Kaya. We didn't think anything of it. We ate, and then we asked the server for our, our, uh, our bill. And he said, you don't have to pay. We're like, what? We just spent a lot of money on this food. He says, no, you don't have to pay. I said, well, can you explain? He said, there was a couple over there, a woman and a, and a husband. They had a little baby, and the woman overheard your prayer, and she was adopted. And she, her life was changed dramatically because someone took the time to adopt her from foster care. And she wanted you to know that it was the right thing to do. And that was the seal of our faith, a beginning process where God had told us as we were dating to the dream. It was a long process, but we had faith um, in that process. So not only is faith believing that God will do it, but there's also blessings with faith. And Kai is our deepest, deepest, deepest blessing in our lives. So, David got his master's degree, and he was ordained as a Presbyterian minister. And that was a process as well, because we had left, and it took David eight years before God was able to give that to him. Again, faith, God telling you to go, we went, and then waiting and waiting and waiting for God to finish it. And God gave us a church in South Philadelphia, where David was the pastor. And he was also the director of a 501c3 ministry called South Philly Lighthouse. This outreach had many ministries. We had a woman's shelter. We ministered to the homeless. We had a food closet. We had a youth ministry. We had um, an immigration program to help people um, become citizens. We had um, camps. We had ESL. You name it, we had. And we even had a ministry for Alcoholics Anonymous. And we were a powerful ministry down there in South Philadelphia. And while he was ministering, God had given me a ministry as well, whether it being teacher, as a professor. But this is the opening of the school that God allowed me to found. It's still there in North Philadelphia. It was a STEM school. And this was our ribbon-cutting day. And so we were just involved heavily in the work of the Lord. Our kids were excited. They were in school. They had friends. 
And then God spoke again. You need to go. What? <laughs> I have this school that I founded. My husband's very involved in this ministry. He said, leave it all behind, which leads us to Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the agents were commanded, commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's hand so that what is seen was not, was not made out of what was visible. You see, our first point is that God's work, or good work, requires faith. Now, you don't just pack everything up and move your family unless you have had some experience with God answering your prayer. Our faith was based on these past experiences where God would do what he said he would do. Faith is about an assurance. It's anticipation. It's sure and it's certain. We believed it because he said it. And God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says. And when we believe that God fulfills his promises, even though we didn't see it and know what the world he was talking about, that's true faith. So God told us to go and leave Philly. And at this point, we had no idea where we were going. The journey of faith we identified with was with Abraham in that book of Hebrews. And so Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Has God asked you to trust him in something today? To have amazing faith, even though you don't know how or how it's going to turn out? Maybe it's a new job that you have. Maybe it's a new position. Maybe it's your health. It's uncertain or a family situation. For students, maybe it's the new school year and you're feeling anxious. What is God asking you to have faith for so you can do his good work? One of the things that we learned too, at least I did personally, is that, um, you know, faith of a mustard seed. How many of you know that story? And so, you know, it's faith, and we think we have to have this large, amazing faith. Sometimes it just starts out so small, doesn't it? God gives you these little, this, this little mustard seed faith. And that's all he asks of us. And I have to admit, that's kind of where I was during this whole process. Uh, and so... God, uh, our point number two is that good work requires sacrifice and obedience. And sometimes God calls you to do these, these little steps of obedience, right? He, he starts out with something small, and then gradually he, he gives you more and more. And that's kind of what happened to me personally. And so by faith, Abraham went. When you read the scripture, it doesn't say, well, let me see, he thought about it. He, you know, he, he called somebody up or he wrote him a letter. No, he, it just says he went. And it's mind-boggling that here's Abraham's obedience to God and his call and leaving his home, his relatives, everything behind. But it required an act of faith and a faith of obedience and sacrifice. And so we sense God calling us in Philly. And we weren't sure at first, but it started out with a friend of mine in seminary. And he, um, he called us up, basically, I think it what it was. And he um, was in a Christian school 
in Santiago, Dominican Republic. And he says, hey, I thought about you guys. We have a position for a principal and looking for a PE teacher slash chaplain at our Christian school. Melissa and I got excited. We're like, whoa, wait a sec. This would be so cool. Who wouldn't want to go to the DR when you're facing, you know, northeast, you know, temperatures, you know, 30 degrees, 18 inches of snow? I said, DR, this sounds fantastic. And so we kind of thought about it, and then we realized, uh, no. We said no. And, but it started something in us, and we started to ponder, God, why, why would this come to us? What, what's happening? Why... Why, what, what's going on here? And so we began to really search and we began to pray and uh, did, did everything we could to figure out what was this, what was behind this? Why was God prompting this and putting this in our heart? And so we started to step up in our faith and we, so we applied to different, you know, positions. And here you got two different distinct kind of, sort of different professions, so she's looking for schools, I'm looking for a pastorate, and so we applied to a few different places. We thought of Milwaukee, and I thought, no, I'm from Chicago, I'm not going to Milwaukee. Lord, I'm like, Lord, please don't send me to Milwaukee. Uh, and then I thought Denver, I've been to Denver, Denver's beautiful, mountains, snow, you get some nice weather. So we, we, then we thought San Diego, my wife actually turned on a job in San Diego, but that's another story. And then San Antonio. And I thought, okay, Lord, what are you doing? So these are the places that, you know, and this was a process. Again, it wasn't something like, you know, a couple of weeks. This was a process. It was, it was, it was a, a, a good couple of years for us to really decide this. And so one of the things we learned here is that God's covenant with Abraham targets an essential part of his identity, land. Land was so important in the Old Testament times. You were tied to that land. There was inheritance. There was security. There was your identity. There, were, there was all these things wrapped up in land, right? And you find that here, right? People are so tied to their land or, or their country, where they're from, the language they speak, their culture, all those things. You're tied to that. And so, so uh, cemented in, in place of, of your family and, and you're ensured that the generations then would remember where you're from, your past, your present, and your future. All these things are there. And when Abraham gave up his place in his father's household, what was he doing? He was giving all that up, all that security, all that identity, everything that he thought he was was tied to that land. And when you give that up, what do you have left? Well... I believe God asked Abraham to leave all that behind because he was telling him something very important and something very crucial. He was saying, I am all that you need. I'm all the security. I'm the one that gives you your identity. I'm the one that's going to guide you and direct you and lead you. And so that's what we were faced with. We were like, well, is Philadelphia our home? Well, not really. She's from New York. I'm from Chicago. But that's where our kids grew up. That's where identity was. Everything was going well. It wasn't like we left things in shambles. Everything was going well. School was going great. The church was going great. And God asked us to leave. Not many people would do that. There were moments where I thought, I'm crazy. Why, why would we want to give this up? What, what's going on here? But God said, go. So that's what we did. And so as we were looking at all these things, I wanted to ask you a question. And what is God asking you to sacrifice? What is he asking you to let go of and to remind you that he's your security? Maybe your identity is wrapped up in your job, and I'll get to that in, my, in mine in a minute. But that's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. You're a child of God. You're a man, woman, son, daughter of the living God. That's your identity. 
Maybe another question I could ask you is, how are you living your life in obedience to your calling in life? You have a particular job. You have a particular um, skill set. And whatever that is, God knows that. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in your school. What is God calling you to do there in that particular place where you're at? Our third point, good work results in blessing. So in Genesis, we go back and, and it says in, in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. At God's command, Abram left home and went to another land. He believed the covenant that God made with him. Don't be surprised, like I was, <laughs> if God asks you to give up a safe, familiar surrounding in order to carry out his will. That's what I learned. God is always working things out for your good. It may not seem like it at the time. We didn't always see what was going to happen years from now. Abraham didn't see that. He didn't see the, 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 the fruition of all that God had promised him. And when we moved here, we didn't know anyone. Abram had Lot. We had our children. But in time, family joined us in San Antonio. Little did we know that our move would be a blessing to so many and to us as well. Melissa's parents now live in Stone Oak. Melissa's friend, Tynesha, her husband, Sinclair, and their daughter, Isabella, are family to us, and they live on the west side here in San Antonio. Then last October, my mom and brother moved as well. The family is closer than it's ever been. Our children have grown in their gifts and have made deep friendships while here. In Hebrews 11:9, it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So we moved, not into tents, but we moved in a home. And San Antonio certainly felt like foreign country to us when we first moved here. We didn't know anybody. It was very different from Philadelphia. And so we moved, um, and, and we have to realize that it wasn't just for Melissa and me when we moved here. We see that now. It also involved our kids and the rest of the family. And God's plans are higher than our plans. Just as his plans are for you, know that his ways are higher than our ways. And he's the architect. We learned last week that he creates so he's always building. He's always working in our lives. He's always doing something in your life for your good. So coming to San Antonio was hard for me. I sort of had an identity crisis, to be honest with you. Here I was a pastor, but I realized, and God was working in me for a couple years, that that's not who I am. Just as I shared with you moments ago, that's not my identity. My identity is not as a pastor. My identity is that I'm a child of God. And so I took a sabbatical for ministry. After doing it for, I realized, probably like 25 years straight and without a break in between. And so along the way, I had different jobs in San Antonio. I worked at the Home Depot right here. I worked as a coach at a, at a school here. Uh, I worked as a chaplain at, in, uh, in Methodist Hospital. Um, but then I told my wife, I said, I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my calling. And so we, I did some more praying and searching. And, and I don't know if you know about chaplaincy, but it's a, it's a special calling. And I could do it. 
but I felt like there was something more. And so my wife searched online, and she found Children's Hunger Fund right here in San Antonio. And uh, at Children's Hunger Fund, our mission is to deliver hope to suffering children by equipping local churches for gospel-centered mercy ministry. So I want to show you this little video clip of Children's Hunger Fund. This is the Kim family. They're filling food packs that will feed children in need. Once filled, they will be shipped to a Children's Hunger Fund distribution center. From there, they'll be distributed to local churches who will deliver them to children in need. Through the simple act of filling food packs, the Kim family is making a big difference in the lives of suffering children. But that's not the only way to make an impact with Children's Hunger Fund. The Hendersons volunteer to bag bulk food, sort donated resources, and pack food packs. Ella does extra chores to collect coins so she can provide meals. Jacob provides meals by donating online. No matter where you are or how you choose to help, you can make a difference with Children's Hunger Fund. With your support, pastors and volunteers around the world are provided with food and resources, as well as training in gospel-centered relational mercy ministry. Using a unique model of home delivery, they are then able to deliver food packs directly to the homes of children in need. This opens the door for relationships to form and the message of the gospel to be shared. Delivering hope is possible. You can help. Visit childrenshungerfund.org and start delivering hope today. So Children's Hunger Fund started out in Los Angeles and there are three locations in Los Angeles. We have one up in Frisco and right here in San Antonio. I like to believe that God was uh, <laughs> preparing me for this place. Um, one of the blessings is that, you know, Children's Hunger Fund is a not-for-profit Christian organization that partners and comes alongside churches. And our goal, sure, is to deliver food. That's great. We know that. But the hope that we like to say that we delivered is that the gospel is being shared. And so when the pandemic broke out, I started six months before the pandemic started. And um, one of the blessings was that, um, you know, as, as I'm kind of navigating through a new job, onboarding, doing all those things, uh, my role was to call churches, see if they'd be willing to help donate. And all the food is donated. Um, doesn't have to come out of a church budget if it doesn't want to. But one of the things that we do is we ask them to fill up a food pack, which uh, I actually forgot the box over there, but it went on the table, um, and uh, filled with non-perishable food items. And uh, what we do with that box is we have trained volunteers that go door to door. So you can imagine during the pandemic what that looked like. And so trained partners will go door to door, drop off the food, begin to pray with these families, build relationships with these families, and if they don't know Christ, introduce Christ into their lives. And that's what we're really all about. That's the hope that we like to say gets delivered. And so if you want to be a part of that, there's different ways that that can happen. You can volunteer, and I have some volunteer flyers in the back. Uh, if the church wants to do what we call a project food pack, where we would deliver the boxes here, donate it. Uh, all of you would go out to HEB or wherever you shop, fill, fill it up uh, according to our shopping list, bring it back here. We'll pick it up and deliver it. 
Um, or you can go online, go to childrenshungerfund.org. As a family, you can order boxes online. They get shipped to you. You fill it up. They can get shipped to us here in San Antonio, or we go pick them up. And not only are we in, in here in, the, in this country, but we're also in 30 countries around the world. We've been around for 30 years. I just spoke to Arbin when he was here, and we're in Nepal, so I was asking him, like, what, what's going on, you know, all that. And he says he's heard of Children's Hunger Fund, so who knows? Maybe we can make a neat, neat little connection. That would be really cool. But that's what we're really all about, is really sharing the gospel and making sure people know, because that's what we're called to do as Christians, and that's the good work that we're all called to do. The last part that we thought of from the scripture was that God's good work results in sacrifice, but it's a form of worship. Let me say it again. Sacrifice is actually a form of worship. And it says in Genesis 12:6 that Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Being an educator is a life of sacrifice. You can tell and ask my family how many hours I'm at the school. It's long hours. <clears throat> it's long days. And for me, the, my ministry is the enormous responsibility that I feel to take care of the 30 staff that God has given me and to take care of the students and the families that he sends my way. I was a principal in Philadelphia. I was a principal here at a different charter network. But then God opened the door for us to open, for me to found another campus. It's funny how God gives you back the desires of your heart again. And I was able to open a STEM campus that specializes in aviation and science and engineering. And it's in the Port San Antonio neighborhood. It's in uh, the Edgewood District. Our community is 90% economically disadvantaged. And in my first year, when we started in the pandemic as well, David started his new job in the pandemic, and so did I. I had 0% of my third graders at reading level, maybe 10% of my fourth graders. It seemed like a mountain insurmountable to be able to help the children who hadn't learned how to read yet get to where they needed to be. And as we work, even though the stakes are high and the days are exhausting, it's our sacrifice to God to serve the children and their families. And so I see my role not as a job, but as a form of worship. And I wanted to thank you all. That was, those were the pictures from the book drive that you guys participated in. Our children have never had a library. We just finished it or started it this week. And those are the pictures. They were so excited that you guys brought them books. They, they came in, and they took the books, and they went through each one, and they put them on the shelves and put them in the categories. And those are some of the pictures. I took video of them talking, but they were really nervous, so we just stuck with the, <laughs> with the pictures. Um, but the, the good work that you're doing is helping them feel confident and know that someone outside of themselves loves. Because they said, where did we get this book, Ms. Sanchez? And I could tell them from our church, Rock Hills, they care about you. They may not be here, but they care about you and care what's going on. I'm super excited tomorrow. The state gives out the accountability ratings. I don't know if you know anything about that, but every school has an accountability rating. And so coming from a place where we are rated as an F school because our students hadn't learned to read yet, tomorrow they're announcing that our campus will be at a B, which is a huge... <laughs> 
So your books are just going to continue to encourage them and let them know that they're loved. You know, God told Abraham, I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to give them this land. And it required Abraham's sacrifice. But really, when he built that altar, he was saying thank you to God. It was a form of worship. So even though there might be stress, or maybe God's asking you to give more, or maybe you're tired of volunteering in the church or doing ministry or your job, but if you look at it as a form of worship, it takes a very different spin, doesn't it? It takes a very different spin. So sometimes you might not see the fruit right away, right? If you're at home with your children, you're like, I don't know, as a mom, is anything working? Is anything going to happen? You don't know how your children are going to turn out. Maybe for young people, when parents ask you to do something, you're like, mm, this is a sacrifice because I don't want to clean my room or do my chores. But what if you thought about it as a form of worship, a form of thankfulness and gratitude to God? You don't always see the change right away. You don't always see the fruit of it. And I didn't know when we started the school if it was going to turn out in the middle of a COVID pandemic. But God is able to do great and mighty things when you trust him, and he's able to do it. Um, my wonderful friend and colleague, Ms. Pettis, is here. Yes, and she's here. She's been with me since I moved to San Antonio, and she's here, and she's been part of the transformational work at the school. She's going to be a social-emotional counselor for our students full-time, and I'm just super thankful for her. You might not know this, but I'm going to put her out there. Katherine Eckert. Yes, one of your own. She is coming to the ministry at the school, and she is teaching. She gets her first set of kids on Wednesday. And so the ministry is extending out right here within there, and I'm super thankful for Katherine and the work that she's going to do at the school. And yesterday was her birthday, so make sure you tell her happy birthday. <laughs> If anything I can ask right now is for your prayers. Our students come on Wednesday. Um, our staff have been there for the last two weeks, and I will be in the back. I have little bracelets that I brought if you just want to take one or a pen to remind you every time you use the pen or have that bracelet. But there are some students out there that you were impacted, um, and just praying for our teachers and for the families, that would mean the world to us. So no matter where you're employed or where you go to school, God is doing the good work in your life. He's molding you into the person he knows you can be and through Christ. So let's go back to our four points. What has he told you to do recently that requires faith? It's going to require sacrifice and obedience. But as you can see from David and our story, it brings blessings. And the sacrifice that God's asking you to give, see it as a form of worship. You might not see it now, but God will take care of it in the end and he will bring it to it because he is a God who does what he says he will do. And so we'll end you with this, this verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.6. And thank you. Thank you, guys. Great job.
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ex- so excited about uh, just what God is doing in and through our community here. Uh, with those of you who've been here a while and those of you that God is sending to Rock Hills, you may be here uh, fairly new yourself and you're trying to figure out where God is sending you or what God is doing. And regardless of whether you've been around for a while or you're new here at Rock Hills, I want to encourage you uh, just to seek God and that um, we would be willing to obey, we would be willing to sacrifice, we'd be willing to go, we'd be willing to stay as God leads us to do so. And um, it's amazing what God can do in and through us with just that mustard seed of faith. I remember being a young man and hearing some stories like the stories that Sanchez has told today and thinking, Wow, that's that's great. You know, it's neat to hear that in other people's lives. But then it, it eventually dawned on me, God wants to do those things in my life too. And those stories of faith can be your stories as well. You're going to have your own stories. But I want to encourage you to let God lead you and let God work in and through you. And uh, I'm excited about what God's doing here at Rock Hills Church. Let's close in a word of prayer, uh, just that God would continue to work through us and... Um, Pray, pray for our lives and, and our trust and faith as well. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are good in every season and every situation and every trial that we face. God, we can trust in you. Lord, because you sent Jesus on our behalf, Father, we can go boldly into your presence We can let our desires be made known. Father, we can let you lead us and make us to decrease so that you can increase in our lives. Lord, today we want to surrender all that we are to you. Maybe for the first time, maybe we've done it many times. But Lord, we want to ask you to be the Lord of all within our lives. We surrender to you. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus We ask, Lord, that you would make us a new creation. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every person that watches online, Lord, that you would call us to be missionaries, whether that's right here within our own homes, whether that's in our neighborhoods, Lord, whether you send us around the world or around the country. Father, you just ask us to go to those in need. Lord, would you lead us in how we can be the light of Christ everywhere that we go and in all that we do. Lord, we thank you for the Sanchez family. Lord, we thank you for Compass Rose School. We thank you for Children's Hunger Fund. We ask for your blessings on them. Father, we thank you for the others that we've heard from in this series. Father, we thank you for Stanzi and Hearts Need Art. Father, we thank you for the Pokerells and their mission to Nepal. Father, we thank you uh, for the South Texas Alliance for Orphans and the difference they're making in the foster care and adoption community right here in San Antonio. Father, we speak your blessings over them. Lord, show us how we can pray. Show us how we can serve. In Jesus' name, amen.